Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you were blessed by today's sermon. Lord, we thank you for all the good gifts that you give. Lord, we thank you for um, the wonderful blessings that we have as this church that we're able to give back to you um, from what you give us each day. Lord, we pray that we would give in, in abundance, we give with uh, generosity, and, and that you um, would use our gifts for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> Let's also say one last little prayer for this uh, sermon. Lord, thank you so much for this time together. I thank you for everyone gathered here. I thank you for the, your family. Um, I thank you for the fact that I have this privilege to break open your word, just as we break open, um, break the bread and we, we drink the wine. Lord, I pray that we would break this bread together and that we would consume uh, the spiritual drink of your word uh, to help it become to us um, the everlasting, um, life-giving word that it is. In Jesus' name, amen. Like everybody's so far away. At least I got you guys here. All right. So let me begin by reading for us our passage we'll be looking at tonight. It's Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. Mark chapter 7, verses 1 through 23. You can find it in your pew Bible in front of you. It will not be on the screen, so you'll either have to listen attentively or read along. Now when the Pharisees gathered, uh, gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the, his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your uh, disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat with, the de- uh, with defiled hands? And he said to them, Well did Isaiah, uh, Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they wa- worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of, of men." You leave the commandments of God and hold to the traditions of men. And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandments of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, If a man tells his father or his mother, um, Whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you are you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. And he called the people to him again, and he said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach, and it is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean, and he said, 
What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. The word of the Lord. So I'll start off with this first point. The Pharisees had lost sight of the main thing and focused on a man-made tradition instead. The Pharisees had lost sight of the main thing and focused on man-made traditions instead. So if you look in the book of Exodus, you'll see Exodus 30 verse 19 and 40 verse 12 were laws for Moses and his sons, but the elders made a ceremonial washing a rule for all people. So if you look back in those, uh, those accounts, uh, you see that Moses, or Aaron, and uh, Aaron's sons, actually it's not Moses and, Mo- and his sons, Aaron and Aaron's sons. Uh, Aaron was made the priest, and his sons were made priests after him. And so you have um, all of the, uh, the Levites after that, and so you have the, the tribe of Levi and all the priests. And so ceremonial washing was uh, required for them to enter into the sanctuary, to enter into the temple of God, to uh, perform sacrifices to do the work of God, they would actually have to go through ceremonial washings. Well, the elders took that command, and instead of it just being for the priests, they took it and they made it for all people. <laughs> so you all have to be uh, cleansing yourself, preparing yourself, um, before you can even eat a, a meal together. And so uh, things that were one time just you know, for Aaron and his sons are now for all people. And you'll see this with other things in, in the law um, one of the ones that's quoted most often by preachers is the tradition of, you know, if, if you have to move a chair in your house or, or move certain things around and on the Sabbath day, um, you, could, you could only do such and such. Like, you could only go so far. You could only <laughs> make such and such work happen on the Sabbath. And so um, you cannot work on the Sabbath day, but they made it. You cannot do certain things. So they, they built this fence around the law. So this, the, the Sabbath, you know, you're supposed to keep the Sabbath one of the reasons we did the Ten Commandments today was so that you could see the law of Moses, right? Um, we call that the Mosaic law. But that's also considered the moral law, which we'll get into that in a minute. But um, when you see those laws, they took the Ten Commandments and they built a fence around the Ten Commandments. So not only do you have to keep them, you have to, commi- you have to uh, keep all these other rules in order to keep uh, far from the Ten Commandments. Like, as, lo- as long as you, you know, don't do these things, then for sure you won't break the Ten Commandments. Um, so we'll get into that a little bit more later. Jesus shows that these traditions are breeding pride and hypocrisy. And James 4.8 emphasizes washing and purifying our hands and our hearts. One of the fun things that I get to do as a priest every Sunday is when I stand at the altar, and I'll, I'll say, um, I, I quote, uh, I believe it's Isaiah 51, which uh, says, "'Wash me as with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow.'" And they literally pour uh, sanctified water, blessed water, over our hands, and we wash our hands. Now, that is not um, something that we do that's magic, right? Uh, all the things that we do in this church, none of it is magic. And just by doing the action, we don't believe that it ma- things magically happen. So just by me saying that, that verse of Scripture and having water poured in my hands does not make me magically pure, right? <laughs> if I was sinning all night long and I said, oh, Lord, make me clean, you know, that's not, that's not what that's supposed to be for. What I really need is a contrite heart. I have to have a truly, a pure heart 
So before I get up there and I purify my hands to serve at the altar, I need to be purifying my heart before I get up there. And so that's why we all do confession before we approach the altar for Holy Communion on Sunday mornings. It's because we need to be getting right with God in our hearts and purifying our hearts and purifying our hands before we approach and receive the body of, of Christ and the blood of Christ you know, um, in our hands. We, we purify ourselves. And so that's clear in Scripture. One of the problems, though, is a lot of these things that we do in church can become very hypocritical. So the Pharisees had replaced the law of God for the traditions of men. What man-made rules do we have today that can make us prideful and hypocritical? Eating. One of the things I, I loved... Um, <laughs> Um, in seminary is we would crack these jokes when I was at Liberty University, and then I'd, we'd crack some more jokes when I was at Trinity. So at Liberty University, we would, we would joke that you couldn't be a pastor until you could eat a whole fried chicken by yourself. Like, you couldn't be a real Southern Baptist pastor until you could finish off a whole fried chicken by yourself, right? When I was at Trinity School for mis- Ministry, and I was getting ready to be an Episcopal, you know, Episcopal I mean, at that, it was an Episcopal school, right? You couldn't be an Anglican priest until you could finish off a whole chalice, you know, all at once. So there's just jokes, right? It's not true. None of it's true. It's all jokes, right? But, but, eat, so eating and drinking, it can be very easy for us to get caught up in the sins of overindulging ourselves. And so we, we'll point fingers at people that do drugs. We point f- people, uh, fingers at people that are sleeping around, but we ourselves you know, indulge ourselves in alcohol or in food, and we forget that God actually gives us very clear guidelines that we are supposed to use creation, you know, for him and not indulge ourselves in it, you know. And, um, so there's eating, drinking, dancing. Um, I may have some family members who, uh, who do not dance. Um, now, it gets a little touchy, right? But Dancing can also be considered in some churches to be sinful because you are moving your body in sexual ways to try to get people's attention, right? So um, dancing, too, can be considered sinful. Smoking, right? You can't smoke because if you smoke, your body's a temple. You should not be doing that. You can eat a fried chicken, but you better not be smoking. So um, I can go on and on. Gambling. one of the things we do in the Anglican church is we bow, you know, so there is a, there's, a, there's a little bow, and then if you're really like a good Anglican, you go all the way down like this, you know. Um, so there's just, like, how, do you close your eyes during prayer? Like, do you really like get into your prayers like this, like really into your prayers, or do you just kind of, oh, Lord, you know, it, you know, is it this, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry for my sins, or is it, Lord, I'm sorry for my sins, you know, like, you can get kind of judgy about people. Like, are they really praying? Are they really asking for forgiveness? Are they, you know, um, I got a couple more. Um, <laughs> uh, praying or speaking properly and eloquently. When I was at Liberty University, we had some prayer warriors, right? They got up there, and it wasn't just, Lord, thank you for this day, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad you're here. No, they would get up there, and, and they were prayer warriors. Like, it was like, Lord... Let's, let's fight the devil today. Like, this, I'm not backing down. This, you know, it wasn't just like, Lord, thank you for this day. Like, you know, send your angels, guard me. It was, it was all out battle, right? And they spoke eloquently, and it was all about, you know, eloquence and being the perfect prayer warrior. Um, dressing properly. Okay, I'm just going to tell you. 
And, and this actually came up a little bit in our conversations. If anyone ever comes into our church who is not dressed properly and someone confronts them and tells them to go home, I will be very upset. Like, I don't, that is not appropriate. The house of God is a place for all people. And it's so easy for us to judge about, oh, they smell a little funny. They talk a little funny. They wear the wrong clothes. You know, they they smell like alcohol. They smell like marijuana. They have the weird hair. They have tattoos. They have piercings. Oh my gosh, we need to send them home. They shouldn't be in the Lord's house. That is, that is not what the church is for. The church is for everyone to come in, to experience the grace of God, to find forgiveness, to find love, to find the only place that might actually accept them for who they are. And we make it a, we make it a stumbling stone. We make it an obstacle. Instead of walking into the church and feeling truly loved, they, they feel rejected. They feel like they don't fit in. And so it's important for us as Christians to remember that we can become the same Pharisees that we see in the Bible. It may not be washing hands, you know, but it could be you're not wearing the right clothes. You listen to the bad music. You, know, you say the wrong things. It's so easy for us to become hypocritical, especially for me as a priest. I always worry about that when I hang out with other priests. You know, am I priestly enough? Am I cool enough? You know, do I say the right things? And mostly being in Midland, I don't interact with a lot of priests, but online, you know, it's... You know, am I, am I the cool priest? Am I, I don't know. So, reverence is important, but so is love for others. Reverence is important, but so is love for others. So, there's nothing wrong with coming into the church and, you know, genuflecting and, you know, making the sign of the cross and being all reverent. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but if you can do that, and, and you're not taking the time to love others you know, with the same kind of love that you're loving God. There's a problem with that. I mean, what is the greatest commandment? Does anybody know? Oliver? Yes, but what's... So, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you got to love God, but you also have to love your neighbor. So when you walk in here, and you're reverent, and you're careful with everything you do, you're careful how you dress, you're careful how you compose yourself... You're careful around everybody because you, you want to you wanna be careful with people. You want to show them respect. You want to honor one another, right? And that's, the Bible literally says to do that. Um, and you've got to do that with God, but you also have to do that with one another in your congregation. And the second point is this. It's not what goes in that makes us sinners, but what comes out. It is not what goes in that makes us sinners, that, but what comes out. So for the Pharisees, they made a lot of dietary restrictions um, more important than anything else. So in the Bible, you'll see you'll have ceremonial laws, you'll have dietary laws, you'll have civil laws, and you'll have moral laws. And there's actually some other laws, but I'm not getting into all all those other laws. But um, in the Old Testament, you'll have ceremonial laws that are uh, purposed for Israel, right? And so you'll see, like, don't brand yourself with, with like the names of the deceased or with demons or whatever. And so there's that law, right? Don't trim your hair, you know, you got to let your hair grow, which is why you see Jewish people today with long hair coming down because you're not supposed to trim that. You have to let the hair grow. Um, and so there's all these different ra- rules about um, ceremonial things that distinguish the people. One of the main things was dietary laws. Uh, so eating pork or eating um, certain animals... Um, was considered 
to be unclean. And if you ate those anim animals, you were considered unclean. And so it was a way for them to distinguish themselves from the other nations around themselves. And so what, what does the gospel do, though? What does the gospel do? It divide, or instead of being divided like we were with a wall of hostility between ourselves, the, the, the gospel, it breaks down the laws. So there's no longer walls of hostility. The walls are gone. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. And so the purpose of the old covenant, the purpose of all these ceremonies and all the dietary laws was to put up a wall to say, this is holy Israel. These are my people and this is the rest of the world. They can eat what they want. They can have sex how they want. They can do whatever they want. That's them. These are my people. And if you're part of my people, you have to be circumcised. You have to do this. You have to do that. Um, but, but the rest of the nations could do whatever they wanted. But we're too part of their people. God, literally, you see God striking people down because they're not following his law. He wants them to be holy and set apart. But the wonderful thing about the new covenant is God is breaking down all these walls of hostility, bringing all people into his, his new covenant people, people with piercings and strange things that might be weird to you, right? Um, all those people are coming in. All the things that might make you a little uncomfortable, all those people are welcome. They come into God's family, and God helps them to see how God wants them to be, and God's word helps them to become who he wants them to be. So even if we have a problem with them, we let God's word discern that. We are not the judge. We let God's word be the judge. And so one of the things about going in and coming out is when you look at the things that are listed in verse 20, uh, 21 and 22, uh, for from within, out of the heart of a man comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these evil things come from within and they defile a person, is what Jesus says. None of those things are ceremony. None of those things are dietary. Everything that he's naming is moral. Everything that he's naming there can be traced back to the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments that we confessed as we started this time of worship together. And so it's important for us to recognize that what comes out of us makes us sinful. The words we speak, the actions we perform, um, that's what makes us sinful. Uh, not, it's not what we eat, it's what comes out through our words and our actions. One of the things, too, that um, you'll notice in verse... Um, let's see. All right. Since it enters a heart, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. So before all this, he says, uh, verse 18, and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see what, uh, that whatever goes into a person from uh, outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? It enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. This is really important for us to see here. In our world today, you will, most people in this room, including myself, um, I've fallen into the same trap, even as a pastor, we go straight to our phones in the morning. What's on the news? Like, what's around us? It's so easy for us to go straight to other things instead of to God and prayer in the morning, to set our day apart for God, to 
start our day off with prayer, it's easy for us to go to other things and start ingesting things into our heart that are not good for us. The Anglican reformers actually called this food. They said, let us, let us ingest this, you know? Let us um, ruminate on it. Let us, let, you know, um, what does it say? Read, mark, word, and uh, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest your holy word is what Thomas Cranmer says. And so it's really important for us to see that this is like food. And if we don't spend time in this, we're going to be anemic, we're going to be hungry, we're going to be struggling. So it's important for us to see that and to recognize that when we ingest things like movies or music or all the things around us outside in the world and we're not spending time in prayer and with, with God's word and with one another in fellowship and in prayer and singing and um, in worship, right? Uh, we are going to be, we're not going to have God's word. We're going to be hungry. We're going to be needing to be fed. And so notice Jesus does not uh, name any ceremonial laws. We talked about that. Uh, God will judge us based on keeping the moral law. So for point two, I want to end with uh, point two with saying that God will judge us based on keeping the moral law. We see that in 2 Corinthians 5.10. A lot of people, you ask them, like, why do you, if I went up to somebody on the street and I said, why do you think you're going to go to heaven? A lot of people would say, because I'm a good person, right? A lot of people will say that. Most people are not Christians in our country. They think they're Christians, but they're actually moralistic, therapeutic deists. So I'll break that down for a second. Moralistic, therapeutic deists. So they're moralistic. They believe in being a good person. They're therapeutic. They believe that God's kind of like a, a, a magic genie that will make them feel better if, he prays, if they pray to him. And they're deists, meaning that they believe God exists, but he's there to make them feel better. And so they pray to feel better. They don't, they don't pray to receive God's forgiveness, repentance, mercy, to be transformed, to become new people in Christ. That's not why they're praying. They're praying because they need to feel better. And so moralistic therapeutic deism is what's reigning supreme in our country right now. And I think we need to make sure that we discern Christianity from that, because that's that's very common in our world, and people call themselves Christians, but they really don't realize being a Christian means I have left the world, I have turned from my sins, and I am now following Jesus Christ. Now, the reason I bring that up is because God will judge us based on keeping God's moral law. The Ten Commandments that we prayed, I mean, every one of us has broken that law. We break it every day. We've broken one of the Ten Commandments every day. Those commandments if we could keep every single, law, every single one of those laws, we would not need God's forgiveness. If we could keep every single one of those laws, we could go to heaven without mercy, without grace, without Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ would not have had to come. I mean, he's a great teacher. I mean, he's a great miracle worker. But that's not, he, that's not why he came. He didn't come just to teach us or just to give us a good example or to be a, a miracle worker so we could be amazed at his miraculous powers, Right? He came because he, he had to die on the cross for us. And he had to take the sins of the world on himself so that he could be our propitiation, he could be our atoning uh, sacrifice for all of our sins to be saved. And so if we just try to keep God's moral law, um, we're going to be judged by it, and we're not going to come out okay. We're going to come out looking very, very not okay. If, if God could play all of your sins for you in front of a big screen TV, you would be in trouble. And I think we all need to get right and realize that if we don't come to God and ask for that forgiveness, we're in trouble. So the bottom line is this. Jesus fulfills the law 
and calls us to keep our eyes on the main thing. The main thing is to love God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? That is the main thing. And he fulfills the law, all laws, ceremonial, um, dietary, whatever. He fulfilled all the Old Testament laws so that we could abide in him and his righteousness, his salvation, his moral perfectness could be our moral perfectness, right? We don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments as our, um, our salvation anymore because he is our salvation. We don't have to be good people and earn our way to heaven because he is our good person. Jesus didn't come to make us good people. He came to make us saved people. And we're only going to be saved people if we abide in him and his righteousness. In Christ, all the law and the prophets are fulfilled, and all our righteousness being declared forgiven and adopted by God comes through our faith in Jesus Christ. How do you receive God's forgiveness? You go to him in faith. You repent of your sins. You lay it all before Jesus, and you say, I can't in my own person do it. I can't get to heaven on my own. I can't be saved on my own. I can't follow you on my own. I can't be the person you wanted me to be on my own. But you have come to make me righteous. So all you have to do is lay your sins at his feet. We can only be saved and members of God's family through abiding in Christ through faith. You know, I'm not one of those salvation preachers that says, come to the cross and be forgiven and be declared righteous, and that's it. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that you come every single day to the foot of the cross. Daily you pick up your cross and follow him. Daily you abide in him. If you're a piece of fruit, right, and you pluck that piece of fruit off of a branch, that fruit's going to die. If you break the branch off of the vine, that vine is going to die. Every single day we abide just as a branch abides, just as fruit abides in a branch. We have to abide in our Savior because if we don't, There's no hope for salvation. We need to abide in the Lord and his righteousness for our salvation. So let me pray. Lord, forgive us. Forgive me for my own hypocrisy. Lord, forgive us for our inability to follow you perfectly. Lord, forgive us for thinking that our righteousness could come from anything other than you. Lord, forgive us for believing that we could earn salvation. Forgive us for thinking that we are better uh, than others around us who are also struggling with sins. Lord, give us the humility to humble ourselves and ask for you to forgive us, to give us the righteousness we need in you. Lord, help us to be um, followers of you and not Pharisees, not hypocrites but lovers of you and lovers of your righteousness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.